0: Hello, listener, and a very warm welcome from wherever you are. Here we are yet again. This is the New Life Program, coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi. And this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Thanks so much for joining us. I am your host, Nixon Ratemo. Do stay tuned for a great show ahead. Today, on the Family Life segment, Lydia Acheng joins us to tell us more on staying in love after marriage. Thereafter, Ian Muse will be coming in in the Bible segment with the topic Choosing the Best. But before we do that, let's first get the song Kitambo by Hosanna Melody Singers. Sit tight and enjoy.
1: Wandy, you him Namala wote Kitambo, Kuniki, don't Namala Washindi Quadica to come kwa of Caram Binis, <muchas> the Quake Quake, do God give Jerusalem
0: Welcome back my dear listener, that was Kitambo by Hosanna Melody Singers remember you are listening to the new life program coming to you live from the heart of nairobi on adventist world radio the voice of hope and now on the family life segment lydia Cheng joins us with more on staying in love after marriage stay tuned be educated
2: dear listener. Welcome to today's Family Life program. I'm your presenter, Lydia Acheng. Today's topic is staying in love after marrying. It is not difficult to be in love at the time that you marry, but it's another thing to stay in love after you marry. That's what most couples eventually find to be true. It's sure true for us, and it's probably because love is such a slippery emotion, one that takes maintenance with intentionality and commitment in order to keep it alive. So, To help you to keep your love alive, we'd like to share something for you to hear, written by Dr. Willard Harley Jr. Here are the questions someone asked him. Dear Dr. Harley, I will soon be marrying the woman of my dreams. We're very much in love with each other now, but we know so many who were in love at the time of their marriage only to come to hate each other later. We don't want that to happen and would like advice to help avoid losing what we feel for each other. I am 29, never married, and my fiancée is 32, married twice. We've dated each other for the past year, and we've handled post-divorce problems with her ex-husband very well. But I know how likely it is for us to eventually divorce, so I want to be sure that our marriage will turn out to be the exception. What problems are we likely to face after we marry? And how should we fix them? And most important, how can we be as much in love with each other after 25 years of marriage as we are today? Here's the answer given by Dr. Hailey. The answers to your questions go hand in hand. The way you fix the problems you face after marriage will determine whether or not you'll be in love after 25 years of marriage. Until now, you have had your share of problems to solve, and you've probably done a good job handling them. You've approached each of them with consideration for each other's feelings. That's why you're still in love. But for a variety of reasons, many couples stop solving their problems that way after they are married. Instead of discussing their problems with respect to each other's perspectives and waiting until they both agree before making a final decision, they begin to make unilateral decisions. They announce their plans before an agreement is reached or they try to force an agreement by making demands, being disrespectful, and having angry outbursts. Those tactics not only lead to flawed decisions, but they also destroy the love they have for each other. You've seen how discussions that lead to an agreement are not only possible, but essential in making your relationship work. It's probably inconceivable to either of you that you would ever deviate from the formula that's made your relationship so exciting, and yet the majority of those who marry, especially in situations similar to yours, make that mistake. For over 35 years, I've encouraged couples to follow a simple rule that helps them resolve their conflicts the right way and keeps them in love with each other. I call it the policy of joint agreement. Never do anything without an enthusiastic agreement between you and your spouse. It's a rule that reminds you to think about each other's feelings whenever you make a decision. You've probably been following this rule already without even hearing about it because you've wanted to be thoughtful toward each other. But there's a great risk of violating that rule after you marry. And that's why I would encourage you to follow it after you're married as if your life depended on it. Your marriage certainly does. Everything you do affects each other. You're either depositing or withdrawing love units from each other's love banks. Until now, you have been careful to do what it takes to make each other happy and avoided making each other unhappy. Keep doing that, and you'll be in love with each other for the rest of your lives. But after you're married, you'll be tempted to make yourself happy at your spouse's expense. That's when you'll need the policy of joint agreement the most. It's a warning that if you don't take your spouse's feelings into account, you lose her love for you. So instead of making that selfish decision, you negotiate with her until you find an alternative that you can both agree to enthusiastically. At this point, you may wonder what issues might tempt you to make selfish decisions. There are a host of them. Career decisions. Should your new wife have the right to veto a career move that would be in your best interest? Friends and relatives? Should your new wife have the right to veto your relationship with some of your friends or members of your family? Financial decisions? Should your new wife have the right to veto a purchase you want to make? To name a few. All marriages would be terrific and none would end in divorce if every couple would take better care of each other. It sounds almost too simple, but it's true. You and your fiancé can create a magnificent family together if you don't lose sight of what it is that's keeping you together, your exceptional care for each other. There was chemistry when you first met, I'm sure, but what has kept you loving each other and what will keep you loving each other is your consideration for each other's feelings when you make decisions and making sure that you have enough time to meet each other's emotional needs. Anyone can do it. We hope this message ministers to your marriage. If you aren't taking care of each other with love and respect and consideration, now is the time to begin. Whether you've been married two minutes, two years, 20 years, or even 40 plus years, work to make your marriage continually leaning toward being healthy and strong for your sakes and for the kingdom of God. Your marriage is to be a light to point others towards wanting to know our God better. If your spouse won't work in joint agreement to do this, then ask God to help you to do your part in making your marriage the best it can be. Our wonderful counselor, the Holy Spirit, will guide you in this mission. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you.
0: For those of you who are just joining us, this is the New Life Program with me, Nixon Ratemo. Coming to you live from the heart of Nairobi, this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. If you wish to drop us your views, comments, or questions about this show, you can do so through the producer, Adventist World Radio, PO Box 42276, called 00. One zero zero Nairobi, Kenya, or email us on AWR Nairobi at eku.adventist.org. Now, here is a song to Naishi by Hosanna Melody Singers.
1: Is utterly what do you Oh, Glória a Ti, em nome do Senhor, com Jesus, <laughs> com Jesus Shook grandly, my When you could do, Carnago, your What I could see, was See your Jesus, see Yaisha, give me Oh, Yaisha, give me a quiet soon. Put to Sijito re quake, yes, who calls Mongol, Baisha Lingwen, Kimber, Mudumu Kualsala, Kim Gojaguanga, Tasawapen, Tawazijito re quake, yes, who calls Mongol, Baisha Lingwen, Kimber, Mudumu Give me your oh, Give me your oh, when put you, Give me your
0: My dear listener, thank you for staying tuned. Right about now, Ian Muse joins us for the Bible segment. He will be talking about choosing the best. Be blessed.
3: Good dear listener, and welcome to our study today. The topic of our study is choosing the best. Welcome and feel at the feet of Jesus. I am a presenter, Ian Muse. The power of choice is a wonderful gift from God. Yet there is one choice God never allowed man to exercise. No one can choose whether or not to be born with a sinful nature. The decision which affects our lives the most was made long, long ago by our forefathers. We have absolutely no choice about the kind of nature we possess at birth. It is a sinful nature. Even changed, it will lead to eternal death. But even though we are born with a fallen nature, God gives us a choice about changing that nature. It is a personal sovereign choice that no one can take away from us. Without doubt, it constitutes the most important decision that any person faces during his a lifetime. The choice is whether we yield to that sinful nature and die eternally or receive a new nature through faith in Christ and live eternally. Noah in the Bible is is entrance into God's kingdom tied to a momentary or even temporary faith experience of the past. Salvation is a dynamic, growing relationship with the only one who has eternal life to bestow. It requires continuing contact in order to receive it. The very life of God can be shared with the man but never apart from a living union with Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 1 John 5, verse 12 Just as the constant creative energy of God is necessary to sustain the universe and to hold atoms together, so His divine power is constantly needed to maintain spiritual life in the soul. When a person willfully chooses to separate from God, the contact is broken and the spiritual life ceases to flow. God will not violate the will of anyone in making that choice either. For proof that Christians can lose their connection with Jesus and be lost, read John chapter 15 verse 1 to 6. There Christ explains one of the great miseries of eternal life. I am the vine, ye are the branches. Ye, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abid not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and he is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Verses 5 and 6. If a person does not abide in Christ, he withers, dies, and is finally burned up. This proves that the relation of a believer to Christ is never a static thing based only on a past experience. It is a current mutual sharing of a common life which is drawn from Him who is our life. Colossians 3 verse 4. When the branch is separated from the vine, The source of life is gone and only death can result. These words of Jesus are too clear to be misconstrued. Even believing, trusting Christians who are connected to the living vine may choose to separate from the vine. When they do, they die and will be cast into the fire and burned. Nothing can wither and die that has not previously been alive. Security is eternal only for those whose faith is eternally fixed on Jesus and whose life is connected to the one who is our life. Obviously, you can choose to be lost no matter how saved we once were. Everything depends on maintaining the divine connection with the true vine. Jesus taught the same solemn truth about losing eternal life in the parable of the sour. In explaining the seed which fell among the thorns and the rocks, Jesus said, Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation, fall away. Luke chapter 8 verse 12 to 13 There are several things to note about this parable. First, only one class will finally be saved. The ones who brought forth much fruit. The groups represented by the wayside and rocks will not be saved. In verse 12, the wayside hearers did not have a chance to believe and be saved. But in the next verse, the stony ground hearers do for a while believe. What kind of believing is this? According to verse 12, it is a kind that saves. So the ones who believed for a while were saved for a while, but in time of temptation they fell away. Eventually, of course, they were lost along with all the others, except the fruit bearers. Here is an equivocal teaching of our Lord that people can have a saving faith for a while, and yet lose it and be lost. In Luke chapter 12, verse 42 to 46, Christ described in another parable how a faithful servant could turn into an unfaithful one after asking, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household? Jesus answers his own question. That servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. He will make him ruler over all that he hath. Then Christ explains how that servant could lose his reward. But, and if that servant sees in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Verses 45 and 46. Here is a perfect example by the master teacher as to how a faithful and wise servant can be punished with the unbelievers. Jesus was talking about a man whom he had seen faithful enough to trust with heavy responsibilities. Undoubtedly, this servant represents those who carefully served the Lord as true believers. But what happened? That very faithful servant departed from the path of faithfulness and reaped eternal ruin and death. Does this not also remind us of the words of Hebrews 10, verse 38? Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. The servant in the parable, who was a believer, is now punished with the unbelievers. The faithful can draw back to perdition. One more parable of Christ spotlights the fact that continued forgiveness is conditional for the believer. The story is found in Matthew 18, verse 21 to 35, and revolves around the forgiveness of God. A certain king responded to the pleas of his servant and forgave him a large debt. The servant went out and found a fellow servant who owed him a small amount and showed no mercy throwing him in prison because he could not pay. When the king heard what had happened, he rescinded his cancellation of the large debt and had his servant thrown to the tormentors till he paid in full. No one can deny the obvious teaching of this parable. Even though God graciously forgives those who apply for it, that forgiveness is not without conditions for the future. We can lose that forgiveness by being unmerciful to others. This is in harmony With the words of the Lord in Ezekiel chapter 33 verse 13 When I shall say to the righteous that he shall surely live If he trust to his own righteousness and commit iniquity All his righteousness shall not be remembered But for his iniquity that he hath committed he shall die for it The principle is repeated in verse 18 When the righteous turneth from his righteousness and committeth iniquity He shall even die thereby the secret lies in maintaining the righteous relationship with the source of salvation. Jesus said, He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Matthew 24 verse 13 No one will be saved finally who does not hold out against a cause of deliberate sin in the power of God. Those who do not endure to the end will have their names blotted out of the book of life. Advocates of eternal security deny it could ever happen. But read the frightening possibility for yourself, In Revelation 3 verse 5 He that overcometh I will not blot out his name Out of the book of life The implication is clear That those who are not overcomers Who do not endure to the end Will have their names blotted out Thank you listener for your time I was your presenter Ian Muse. God bless you
0: Thank you so much for staying tuned throughout the show. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. Please don't forget to send us your views, suggestions, or questions about this show through the producer, Adventist World Radio, PO Box 42276, code 00100 Nairobi, Kenya. Or also email us at awrnairobi at eku.adventist.org. Remember, this is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Until we meet right here, I've been your host, Nixon Ratemo. God bless you.
1: What a little bit of a mess, 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 Don't make one of the odds that were